informative podcast all about training working dogs look no further than the lwdg pod dog this weekly show is hosted by me joanne perrott founder of the ladies working dog group and i chat to experienced trainers and experts in the field who will give you helpful tips and advice whether you're just getting started or you've been working dogs for years this podcast will have something for you so pull up a chair pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to lwdg pod dog and let us help you build a better bond with your best friend. And as you can see now we have the ladies working dog group demonstrating team moving seamlessly into the ring. We have Emma Stevens as they're just setting up, I'll let you know we have Emma Stevens from Cunning Shot. She's come down from Cumbria. She is a, de- a, de- a demonstrator for the ladies working dog group demonstrating team. And today you can see we have seven dog and trainers, a mixture of spaniels, Labradors, and there is also one setter. They've been based over the last three days up at the top end in the gun, gun dog training arena at the top. And um, we're very lucky today that Emma has been able to bring her colleagues down here with the dogs. I mean, Valchian. Bonorar Danoska Hafordi Kun Hela Atar. I'm a group expert, trainer, gun dog trainer for the Ladies Working Dog Group. All of these lovely ladies here are members. Um, We are actually members of a dog training club. So all of these dogs have never been in an arena before. They've never done a demonstration. And what we're going to show you today is an actual training session so that you can see when it goes right, when it goes wrong, and exactly kind of how we we run things as an organisation. So the Ladies Working Dog Group is made up of 7,000 members from across the country um, and across the world. We've got members in Canada, we've got members in Belgium. Um, We started off originally as um, a face-to-face training session and then it ended up that COVID hit, so everything went online, as it always does. Um, And that's really when the membership grew to to be national. Um, We run it as uh, predominantly on the website, and all of our members use that website to communicate with each other and to watch uh, masterclasses, which are done by Gundog trainers. And um, we upload, we have like four trainers across the regions and a trainers directory, and we we, we run it like that. And it's it's all about being a community and training together and enjoying the sport um, that is Gundog training. So all of these lovely ladies are now going to spread out and start doing what we would call a warm-up exercise. So it's steadiness, it's all of those foundations of gundog training, um, and we're just going to talk through it as, as we go, okay? So the Ladies Working Dog Group also has over 52 online training sessions um, that you can watch as a member. Members can be men that join as well, so it's not just for women, but any of the face-to-face training is, is, is females only. 
Um, all of our trainers are predominantly women as well, um, but we do have some male trainers in there and we cover all working dogs as well. Um, all of our trainers run their own businesses and we then um, provide our support for the ladies working dog group um, for all of their members as well. Okay, So I run a company called Cunning Shot Dog Training um, and then the other trainers in the regions do other things as well. So. What I'll do is, as we're going round and you can see what these dogs are doing, I'll just explain it a little bit as well. So, we're predominantly reward-based, so we want these dogs to actually form a relationship and a bond with us. If these dogs, if we want to work these dogs in the field, we need these dogs to actually want to be with us, okay? Because at the end of this day, this little spaniel here is going to be very, very close to game, if not right up against game. And what you don't want is for him to prefer the game to his lovely handler, Katie. So what we start with is loads of reward-based stuff. Um, as you can see, the pup that I've got with me, he is he's a real baby. Um, so he might be a little bit edgy today. Um, so we'll just see how he goes. So Katie's doing a bit of sit stuff, sit whistle, um, which is really important. Stop whistle, super important for a spaniel that's, um, that's hunting. And then what she's also doing is she's throwing dummies around which would simulate birds falling because again, as a beating dog, which predominantly Smokey is, what you don't want is for him to stop hunting and start retrieving, okay? So Casey doesn't want this dog retrieving very much at all, so she does lots of steadiness of throwing dummies around which simulate birds falling, okay? Recall whistle and stop whistles, again, are the most important and we'll introduce them hunting in a little while. Moving on to a Labrador. This is uh, Jane here with Lottie. Uh, Lottie has just one, got her working gun dog certificate. So she's pretty good at all of her obedience now. So she's just gonna show a nice scene retrieve. When she's looking and concentrating. So it's sending the dog out and then ideally you want the dog to come back straight away with that retrieve and that would simulate your birds falling on a shoot day. So it's so important that all of these ladies do these foundations. We do them all the time in training sessions as well so that everybody knows that these dogs and the dogs understand that, right, we're in a training mode, I need to concentrate. So hopefully this means that we could go wherever, into any arena, into any training environment and the dogs understand that this is where they should be and this is what they should be doing, okay? Brilliant. We'll just talk a little bit about the setter in the corner because he is also a real baby. So we'll just do a little bit with, um, with this setter as well so that you can kind of see. So the setters are very slightly different because what you don't want them doing is an awful lot of steadiness. So they don't do an awful lot of obedience as with all the HPRs. What they do do is they work on their natural instincts, okay? So what you'll see is you won't see Lucy throwing dummies around or anything because setters don't actually retrieve. And I'll hand over to Lucy to have a bit of a chat about um, Jaeger. Okay, so this is, he's only 15 months old, never been into a ring, so I'm afraid all of this is rather a bit daunting for him. Um, as you can see, I'm not actually doing that much with him because uh, setters, obviously, as a few of you might have seen, is they are basically out on the grouse moors and on the partridge fields. Um, hunting uh, with their um, noses and so they're running long distances. So if I let him off now he'd probably be straight over over there which would be absolutely fine. His recall is okay but just for doing what we're doing at the moment it's just easier just walking him around and getting him accustomed to the atmosphere um, and you'll see a little bit of how I train um, him to quarter later on on the long line. 
Um, Emma, I think that's over to you. Brilliant, thank you Lucy. So what we're going to do now is we're just going to show the Spaniels in a little bit more action, okay? They've done a lot of steadiness. Spaniels, as we know, don't like to sit steady, so we'll get these guys moving. So we'll clear the arena and we'll just have the first two dogs. You line up. So as you've seen in the steadiness bit, what the idea is as well is obviously for them to not be interested in any other dogs, okay? So what you don't want them doing is as soon as you then let them off the lead to start working is that they go over to other dogs. So the steadiness bit is so important and crucial for doing this part of the, um, the exercises, okay? So what you're going to see now is that Lucy and Ka uh, Louise and Katie are going to quarter these dogs, um, which is hunting in a pattern from left to right. Should be quite a short, small pattern because we've got a cocker and a spaniel, you'll see it very differently um, when you see Lucy take over with, with her go, uh, with the setter. So, when you're ready, girls. So, you'll see it slightly different. So, a springer has a little bit of a wider pattern, whereas you'll see the cocker doing a bit more spinning. If you can hear their whistles, you'll hear two pips on the whistle. That will be to turn them, to get them to come off of a certain area and back to another. And then they should be super steady to when something's thrown or landed. So you'll see Louise send for that, so that would be like a fallen bird. You'll see them hunt a little bit for it and then return back. Perfect, and then you would quarter on again. Hunting in flat grass is quite difficult for spaniels to do, so if you can hear them being a little bit overexcited, it's because they're a bit confused. This would normally be done in woodland, a little bit more cover and things like that, so you'd see them, they're still doing the pattern, but it's not quite as perfect as you'd maybe want it to be if you were out in the shooting field. So Smokey's only just started retrieving, so his retrieve still, his comeback is a little bit overexcitable. <laughs> that was not bad for that go. He can sometimes do a little bit of a circle around there before he starts going, and then we'll quarter all the way to the end, ladies. So really important when you're teaching spaniels to quarter that you don't go over the same ground twice. They need fresh ground every time they go, okay? So try not to hunt them over the same ground because they get bored and the heads start to come up into the air and you don't get the right pattern. <clears throat> so what I wouldn't do now is spin round and hunt them back the other way, okay? We'd just stop at that because we'd reach the end of it. What I'm going to do now is bring Stella and Sarah in with their two. They're very, very young and both of them are really novice handlers. They've only been training for about a year or so with gundog training. So these guys are a little bit more experienced. Both of these have been on shoots um, already. So you'll see the difference of it being now at a slightly um, more novice level, basically, so that you can see how we start to teach it a little bit.
Perfect. So different spaniels can hunt over the same ground that some another spaniel's just hunted over, but we wouldn't have turned the same team around and hunted them back, okay? So this time what you'll probably hear is much more interaction, maybe less whistle stuff, and the way the steadiness is done will be slightly different as well, okay? So you'll see, if you can hear them, you'll hear them getting really excited and into it, making them really, really get into it. Try and get that focus and attention. They're much more novice dogs, so it's a slightly slower pattern as well. And both stop them, ladies. Stop them. Perfect. So what we do, <laughs> apart from a wee break. <laughs> Um, so what we do with the steadiness to start with is there's nothing being thrown. So we're not testing that stop to flush. We're just testing that they can come off of hunting, lift their head up and actually engage with the handler again. So there's nothing being thrown for them. There's nothing for them to run in on or, or test that steadiness quite yet. It's just working on that stop, that eye contact and that control, and then they hunt on again. Yep. Yep. And when you start to introduce then a retrieve into this hunting, what you would do is you would stop the dogs first. So if you both stop these dogs, you check that they're nice and steady first, then you would throw, then you would send them. So Bandit can have that one. Just struggling with that dummy a little bit. There we go. <laughs> Figuring out how to pick it up. So carry on hunting then, please. Perfect, so what we'll do again is stop the dogs. <laughs> there you go, you can see when it goes wrong, that would be what would happen. So dog running in obviously is not ideal. So the idea is, is that the person that threw the dummy can get to it quicker. So obviously that was meant to be for Juno. She sat lovely, she can have this in a minute. But then that's the correction. So it's no harshness, it's not horrible, it doesn't hurt the dog, it just tells them that wasn't yours. Try again and offer me a different behavior. So when I throw this again, what then Stella's gonna do is blow that stop whistle, and then she's gonna reward him for staying still while Juno's then is allowed this. And again, just a young dog trying to figure out how to pick it up. The important thing is when you're trying to teach dogs to pick up different objects is you don't rush them, okay? So let them pick up. So if you noticed, all Sarah did was just back off very, very slightly, let her pick, let her pick it up properly, and then the recall was added in to encourage her to come back into you. Okay, lovely ladies, thank you very much. Right, we'll add in now the setter for me. Can I have 
bigger this way. Sorry, I was just turning off my mute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're on. So this will be a huge contrast from the spaniels that you just saw that hunt in a very, very tight pattern. What you'll see now is how we teach a very young setter how to work, okay? So it will be on a long line to start with, just so that you can actually have some control. You notice what Lucy's doing now, she's just lifting up some grass and checking the wind because ideally with a young dog, what you're gonna want them to do is work into the wind, okay? So that they've actually got something to be hunting for. Obviously when they end up working on sheep days, you can't just decide what, what way you're gonna go because of the wind, but at that point the dog is much more advanced so that it can cope with different wind directions. We've also got rather very nice stuff smelling on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> which could be very interesting. So very young dog, never been in arena before, so we'll just see how this how this goes with them. Sorry, this is, this is also 30 to 40 metres, so <laughs> it is quite long. So if you notice, it's just trailing in her hands as he hunts out, but you can already see a much bigger huge hunting pattern compared to the spaniels that was really nice and neat and tight so you can see here why they're obviously completely designed for grouse mauling in big open spaces not necessarily your lowland shooting kind of environment yeah good lad so all the lead's doing is basically acting as a line for security so that he doesn't decide to completely run off um, but also for Lucy to teach this turn whistle as well. Good so you can hear her turn, and if he doesn't turn, she just gives a quick check on that lead to get that head back up again and teach him. So all of this is basically done really, really slowly and casually as the dogs get older and they start to mature so that you can see the pattern start to form. And as they get more experience, they pick up sense a bit differently and then you'll start getting okay. the sets as well. You'll also see that he has been turn, uh, back casting um, if I was in a trial, I'd be out, <laughs> so, not out, but it would be docked against me because working into the winds, you want them to turn into the winds so they've got the best chance to scent the birds. Um, but obviously, I'm afraid grass isn't the easiest, but uh, Jago, get on. So what he should be doing is going out and away from her and then coming back and then going out and away from her rather than coming back round like that and he shouldn't be crossing behind her. So again, that's what this line's for. At this stage, obviously, it's, it's, really, it's puppy behaviour, basically. So it'd be the same as you rolling Good balls lad. for a spring of pup and things like that. Although he looks Good big, lad. the maturity level is the same kind of age as like a five-month spaniel at this point, okay? Jago. And um, also just to let you know, obviously he's still learning the drop whistle as well. So I, I like uh, drop, our drop whistle is used for emergencies with hair chases mainly. <laughs> Um, when we're on the partridge, 
um, but also uh, when we're producing birds for guns or on a point, we want them to uh, drop to the plush. So very much, it's, uh, I've got an older dog over there who now I don't need to really use the, the whistle on the flush because the moment birds go up, she's dropped down, down to the ground. Um, but while I, I'll be training him, and he's just coming onto game at the moment, is obviously I've got to be very careful because these dogs are very sensitive um, and I don't want to make them sticky. Um, by sticky, I mean they just basically don't want to go into the, the point because they're worried about something bad's going to happen. So I still have the line on so that if the birds do get up, he can have a chase and I do allow that um, because I want him to get that freedom and fluid movement going into, uh, going into producing the birds. Um, but what I would gradually do is have the line on just to steady him up so that he gradually over time learns that he's got to be steady and stop. Um, so no, they are good fun dogs. <laughs> um, uh, they are in, sadly in a bit of decline now because um, of the, all the big grouse shoots um, up on the moors, uh, obviously going more driven, so you don't get the traditional shooting over dogs. But if anyone ever has the opportunity to shoot over um, setters and English pointers, do go. It is just one of the most incredible sports. So. Yeah, and obviously, so with the Spaniels and the Retrievers, we don't teach a drop to shot, we teach a stop to shot, because we would eventually want those dogs to actually mark that bird down so that they could eventually go and pick it up, whereas the setters don't actually retrieve, so you don't need them to mark it. So their drop to shot will be actually a lie down in, in a lie down position because you don't need them to see it, they don't need to mark it, and that's obviously the much more steadier position to prevent those kind of run-ins as well, okay? Right, so now we're going to focus more on the retrievers. So we've got two Labradors with us now. Um, we've got Lottie, who's the black Labrador. She's slightly more advanced. And then we've got Effie, um, who is the yellow Labrador. And she's, um, she's been a little bit timid to get going. That's probably the best way to describe her. <laughs> so what we're going to show you guys today is a retrieve into a, with a jump in the way, okay? So what we ideally want them to do is mark the dummy going down and jump into the jump into the box, retrieve it, and then come back again. We're going to show you how you would initially teach it. Effie's only done a couple of jumps, so she's not very advanced. So we're going to teach this with something that's called a memory retrieve. So it means that what will happen is, we'll do it at quite short distances as well. So what will happen is, is Amanda will walk out with Effie. She's going to place the dummy in the box, and she's going to walk back again. This basically will help Effie see that the dummy is in the box, understand that she has to jump in and get it, and then she can and then she can retrieve it back. Then what you would do is after that, you would then do a scene straight away after at the same distance. So the dog understands that it doesn't need to be um, only Amanda that throws the dummy into the box. So she's seen it go in, she walks back with her. And she's going to line her out for this, just for that confidence as well. So it's really important for dogs to learn to jump on shoots when told to and when directed to, not just when they feel like it. 
So then what we'll do is immediately then a scene into the box as well. I'm hoping that my noise is going to drag her this way rather than any of the tannoys. <laughs> so that time she didn't need that line out of her hand because she'd marked it down and actually putting your hand down may actually distract the dog and get them not to bring it, um, not to actually mark the bird. As you see with these, so these are the clone dummies, so ideally obviously what you want them to do is pick them up as they would do a bird um, and what she'll do is, because she's quite a novice dog, you saw her pick it up by the wing, really really common for dogs to do and it's much easier for them to learn to pick them up correctly on these dummies than try and attempt it on a bird. So what we'll do is we will do, then do more work with those dummies over bigger retrieves. So it's actually uncomfortable for the dog to pick it up by the wing because of the weight. And then she'll start to pick it up properly. And the important bit is, is then for Amanda not to rush on that recall whistle as well to make sure that she gets that really important um, pickup point as well. So then we're going to do um, a retrieve with Lottie. So we're going to do a scene retrieve first and then we're going to show you how to increase distance. Okay. So again, slightly more advanced, so Lottie didn't need that, that arm to help with that confidence either. And again, no recall whistle, she knew where her handler was and she knew to bring it straight back to hand at that point. So she'll now increase the distance. It's really important when you're increasing distance and confidence in dogs that the dummy stays in the same place, okay? The reason for that is that the scent needs to be in the same place and the dog needs to move back. If you imagine if I kept moving this dummy further and further back away, one, I'd be out of the arena, um, but two, what would happen is, is Lottie would run over, identify the box as a jump where she thinks the dummy might be and there would be scent there. So she'd get really, really confused, lose her confidence and then not go back. So it's really important that it becomes almost like a memory to the dog. Dog goes into the same place every single time and you move back with your dog to build that distance. And again, no arm from Jane. Lottie was, was straight on it, understood what was needed of her. dog drops it what Jane's doing now is she's just backing off to try and get the dog to re-pick it up because that does happen they do get they they miss pick it and things like that so it's just important for to take the pressure off get the dog to pick it back up and bring it back to you if you don't want a dog to continue to reluctantly retrieve and drop it just short of you worst thing you guys can do is pick that dummy off of the floor because you then tell that the dog that that's an acceptable behavior to do so you take the step back take the pressure off get the dog to re-pick it and then bring it back into you again so what we're going to show you now is just then a little bit more control on these retrieves so we're going to show you how to stop a dog on its way out to a retrieve when we've been running the scurries it's really important that dogs need to be able to be handled at distance okay so these dogs have been handled at distance, but obviously not in a main arena with loads of people watching you. Um, so we're going to do this today. So ideally what's going to happen is I'm going to place this dummy down on the floor 
for Effie, okay? Effie's then gonna be sent for it and halfway she's gonna be stopped, okay? Soon as she has stopped, Amanda's gonna throw a different retrieve out for her and redirect it onto that as her reward for stopping. If she doesn't stop, I'm gonna pick this dummy up. So again, no harsh handling, nothing else. We're just gonna reset the exercise. So Amanda will pull her back to her leg and we'll just go again, okay? Eventually what will happen is the dog will understand it's not actually getting this dummy if it doesn't actually listen to the handler, okay? So we'll go, you ready? That's fine, if she hasn't stopped, she'll go straight back to Amanda. And we'll just go again. You see that time she stopped. She realised she's not going to get this, so she might as well listen to Amanda. And Amanda's then going to give her a reward. So the reason we send for a redirect rather than stopping and being sent back for this same retrieve is because eventually what will happen is the dog will reali realise that it's going to get the retrieve anyway, so why stop? So it's important that it's a redirect for a different retrieve as a reward, and then she is then allowed this, this item. Also really important for me to not move because what I want her to do is be able to pick next to somebody. If I always step back, she'll know that she's allowed this retrieve and if I'm always close, she'll know she's not allowed it. And then it means that when you go away and try and do this on your own, you've always got to have somebody stood here going to pick up the dummy. So it's important that I then don't move at that point. And then we're going to do the same with Lottie. So Lottie obviously stops, so she gets her redirect straight away. And then she'll also get the reward as well. Thank you very much. So obviously that what you've seen is some, well, they've all been very well behaved actually, some well behaved um, gun dogs performing really, really well and minimal um, mistakes really. So what we're going to do now is show you with these dogs how it initially started with those basics. So I'm a huge uh, trainer of placeboard training. I absolutely love placeboards and for anybody that doesn't know what a placeboard is, it is one of these. So it's just some wood and some astro. You can buy them in various bits. You can use um, like disability steps for uh, caravan steps and things like that for them. But the idea is that it's a raised platform off of the floor with a different texture to the surface that it's on. Okay, that's the idea of them. Now, history for anybody that likes a bit of history. The history of place boards was that they firstly came from the circus. So all of the, when we still had animals in the circus, they used to use target boards, basically. So they're very, very similar. And they used to use them to get the elephants and the monkeys and all that sort of thing to perform on them. 
Then what happened is it was put, it was put over to zoos, and zoos started using them for, for actually for veterinary medicine. So they used to target animals' paws so they could take blood samples without knocking them out and putting them under sedation and things like that. Eventually, dog training caught up with all of these training styles, and we started seeing it in competition obedience and competition agility. And they used to use these place boards for target training to teach them to not come off of seesaws and stuff like that and do two-on, two-off kind of behaviours. Then eventually gun dog work again caught them up and we started using them for gun dog work when we went much more reward-based versus traditional-based training, okay? So the place boards are an ideal way to basically make very unsteady dogs and young dogs understand to sit still without you having to repeat the word wait, 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 wait over and over again, okay? So the way we introduce them is firstly with a lure. So the idea is, is that a treat goes in front of your dog's nose and they walk from left to right over the board, just like Amanda's doing here. So they just walk left and right over the board or front to back over the board. <laughs> Smokey's decided that F is very exciting. So this basically shows them that the, the board isn't a scary thing. <laughs> decided very, F is very interesting. <laughs> so again, not a problem, it just goes back on the lead. If you can't cope in that environment, your lead's your friend. It's, there, it's designed to basically get him back in the game and, in, and listening. Once he's stopped frothing at the mouth over her, he can start going back to training again. So once these dogs have realised that the board isn't scary, their feet can go over it and they can target on it and they get treats for being on it, we can start doing a bit more formal training with them. And the first place we teach is the most important place to me, which is the recall position, which is your dog is in front of you, staring at you, ignoring the rest of the environment, okay? We teach that nice and close to start with, so recall position like Sarah's doing here with her, with her cocker and Stella here. And we teach duration on these boards. So at this point, we start to add in commands. So we don't say sit on the boards or anything. We lure into that sit position and you just keep rewarding that first position, okay? When you want to get your dog off the board, that's, the, that's when we start adding in a word. So we tell them that they can get off when we tell them to. They can't just pick and choose. They get off when we tell them that to get off. And it's about reading your dog's body language and not leaving them on there for too long, okay? Louise, can I swap you around? Just swap. Just swap. <laughs> so he's not as interested. <laughs> so once they then have that off command, they're allowed to get off and they know they can get on and off freely as well. And they know that you're going to give them that off word. Then we can start building up duration. So then you're in charge of the duration and they don't get off until you tell them to. Once we've done that, we can start building up a little bit of distance. And this is where we introduced a formal stop whistle as well. So as you can see, Jane going back, she's then just blowing a stop whistle at that distance, and then she's going back to her dog. So this is when the dogs start to understand stop doesn't mean come in and sit, which is what we see an awful lot of dogs coming in to sit in front of them because it's always been done close. It also means stop far away from me as well. So it just means sit wherever you are, whatever is going on, you just need to sit, okay? What we also then start to add in is a recall whistle. So as Amanda then backs off away, we can see Jane already done it. As Amanda backs away, she's then gonna blow her recall whistle. Recall whistle for me is anywhere between three to five pips. Just make sure it's consistent and the dog understands it. And then what we start doing is adding those steadiness in. So what you saw the ladies doing right at the start when they were walking circles around them, 
and the dogs weren't moving, that starts on these placeboards. They learned to not move, not even pivot their feet. So as you can see, Louise, when she does a full circle around Mabel, she doesn't actually move at all. She just marks her over the back of her head, basically. So she just turns that head, marks her, picks her up, picks her up on the other side, and then gets a reward for not moving. Again, really important for gun dogs to mark over the top of the head because there may be a bird that falls down and what you don't want your dog to do is stand up and turn round because that's the first start of running in, which is what we obviously don't want to do, okay? So we start seeing bits of circles and things like that and then what we start doing is adding in a heel position. So as you can see, what Sarah's doing is she's targeting both a recall position and then she's moving to a heel position. We then start adding in the word heel and then eventually this behaviour starts to happen where you've got a dog that knows that they're going to get rewarded at some point so they stay with you until that point okay so we'll just finish off letting them again what i try and do is a bit of a cool down session as well in all of my training sessions so what i'd like them to do is something then quite difficult so we do the warm-up in, in the beginning which is what you saw at the start then they do some difficult stuff and we try and push them a little bit and then they finish with this sort of exercise where they calm back down and they can kind of just get their head back in the game and all that adrenaline levels return back to normal. So we are, <coughs> sorry, we're doing another demonstration at 4.40. It will be a very similar demonstration to this, but as we know, with dogs, anything can happen. Um, and then we're, always, we're also at the scurry, um, which is at the top, just opposite the shooting um, all day as well, running gun dog scurries. And we've got a meet and greet area for any ladies or men that want to come and have a chat with us about the ladies working dog group as well. Um, and I hope you've all enjoyed our demonstration. Thanks very much. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the Ardanoskaha Fordi Kun Hela Adar Bonirikesai. Indeed, the ladies working dog group demonstrating team. Fantastic. And as Emma just said, they will be back at 4.40 this afternoon. Fantastic to see the boards, the reading the body language, and the hand signals. So many tips here, and you can catch them up at the, God, the gun dog training area behind me. Thank you for listening to LWDG Poddog with me, Joe Parrott. Now we all know training a dog takes time, energy, and patience, but our lives can be really, really busy. Don't worry, the LWDG has got you covered. Join us for our free planning workshop where we'll show you how to use short 10-minute training sessions each day to fast-forward your dog's education. Our experts have years of experience in training dogs and will help you get started on the right foot. Register now and start making progress with your furry friend today. Go to our Facebook page, The Ladies Working Dog Group, and click on the pinned post or visit www.thelwdg.com.